As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders. For The Athletic, it is Tuesday here in the DMV. Um, day two of what I'm sort of calling the official start of the Josh Harris era has begun. And it's been another interesting day in that world to discuss what's been going on today, along with all the very busy newsy Monday, including the end of the Ron Rivera era. Joining me, Nikki Jabala from the Washington post. Um, we go through all the stuff you would imagine, um, Thoughts on Ron Rivera's time here, the Bob Myers news, the various GM candidates, and talked about a few other things like what free agents of the commanders would you bring back and more. So we'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast. As you know, I'm going to say you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you do your podcasting. And, you know, as I say, if you hit that subscribe button, you won't miss anything coming down the pike. We'll have plenty uh, about the searches, about the uh, you know, what comes next, and of course, for agency in the draft down the line as well. You can follow me on Twitter, X, at Ben Standig. And of course, if you haven't yet, you check out my work on The Athletic. I uh, had a big story up on Tuesday morning looking at the, the, the flaw of the Ron Rivera era, according to... Uh, a lot of people that I spoke with, obviously there were several several issues, but one in particular stood out to a lot of the sources, team and league sources, and that is that Ron Rivera was too, too focused on the narrative being spun rather than simply what's the plan to build the team. Uh, so I hope everybody can check that out. I appreciate the, the, the really good response today, and um, we'll have more uh, about what happened over the last four years and where we're going on the athletic as well. If you missed it, Grant Paulson and I spoke about Monday's busy day uh, with the uh, commanders and, you know, also just reaction to um, some of the news of the day, some thoughts going forward. And that was a really good conversation as always with Grant. So check that out. Um, all right, before I get to my conversation with Nikki, here's what happened today. 
So on Monday, a lot of inter, uh, interview requests were reported. Uh, I think it was five on the front office side and seven on the uh, coaching side. Today, the actual interviews began. Uh, Adam Peters, assistant GM with the 49ers, I was told was happening today. Mike Borgonzi, assistant with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, was happening today. And then also uh, tomorrow, Ian Cunningham, assistant GM with the Bears. Alec Hallaby, assistant GM with the Eagles, I believe is also going to be tomorrow. Glenn Cook with the Browns uh, will be in the mix as well. I would imagine other candidates will be coming up, but uh, those are the ones we've heard so far. And those are also some of the, you know, the top names out there for sure. Um, If you have somehow not seen previously, um, I've written about Alex, I keep saying Alex Peters for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, Adam Peters, a bit. He was featured prominently in my annual NFL agent survey. Uh, he scored high marks on various categories, including uh, top town evaluator and next GM to watch. So make sure to check that out. Um, and also, as I profiled the, the various candidates a week or so ago, Peters, Cunningham, among those who were uh I think all the names were specifically mentioned, but those were among the ones that had uh, sort of bios about them. Now, in terms of, I know everybody wants to know, well, come on, Ben, who's getting the job? Look, as you saw with the Bob Myers news, these guys have been very, very good about keeping things close to the vest. And so it's hard to, you know, it's not like they're, you know, it's not just like some major report saying, here's what they're going to do. But that said, now that the field is starting to take some shape, you know, my sense is Adam Peters is the one to watch. He has been one of these hot candidates who for the past few years has sort of declined to get too involved in a lot of situations. He's got a good one with San Francisco, and ultimately he may decide to stay there. Um, John Lynch was promoted to president of ops, giving Peters uh, a, a chance to just be named the GM, but ultimately, you know, he would still be below Lynch and Kyle Shanahan on the pecking order, even though uh, Peters is the main talent evaluator over there, and he's gotten a lot of rave reviews uh, for that. Um, but from what I can gather, I do think there is a legitimate reason to think he is the one to beat, in part because somebody even sort of said that to me. I don't mean somebody with the team, to be clear. But I've heard I've heard that said even like a week or so ago. There seemed to be some buzz uh, about Peters. Uh, I, I would probably even say like late in the season, Peters to Washington and Cunningham to the Chargers seemed to be uh, what I'd heard a couple of times. Again, things can change. This is why they have these interviews. Josh Harris even kind of said he's going to let the talent sort of dictate what happens. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And they, those aren't the only two that are, are, are of note. I do think Cunningham is an appealing candidate and would be, I, I think there's uh, interest both ways as well. So I, I think the Peters thing is significant. I do think 
Bob Myers, well, I mean to say Bob Myers being here, I think is significant. He and Peters have a relationship uh, from their time together in the Bay Area as a, as a executives for professional teams. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not sensing in my head that I would say anybody is polling higher than the other, you know, or in a significant way or over a majority. But I do feel like if Peters wants his job, and I had somebody tell me they think there is a little bit of motivation on his end for this one, um, that he could be very well be the front runner for sure. So we'll keep that in in mind. Um, again, Josh Harris talked about moving quickly with this process. They want to get somebody in place in this front office position, and by front office position. We are, you know, we are typically talking about a GM. They have been talking about a sort of a head of operations for the front office. I think that distinction could be viewed in two ways. One, Martin Mayhew is still here. He is still the GM. They have not removed him of his duties. I'm not saying that they, that, that they won't. I'm just saying right now somebody has that job. So to say you're interviewing for that job would be, you know, rude and unprofessional. Um, so they're at the moment calling it something else. The other thing, and you've heard me talk about this often, is you know were they going to hire some sort of VP of football operations or president of football ops? The wonder a few weeks ago was more about, well, does that mean a third position, GM, coach, and this football ops position? Now it's possible it may only be the two spots, but instead of calling it the GM, they're giving that uh, VP of op- football operations title. It's worth noting, of course, in the NBA – where Josh Harris is is from, the GM of team is typically called president of basketball ops. Daryl Morey has that title with the 76ers. Michael Winger with the Wizards has that title. Uh, Will Dawkins is the GM there. But, you know, it's basically the question, it would be different if that person was more, was less about it being a talent, a talent evaluator and more about being, um, you know, sort of helping to, just you know, keep the business going, oversee the situation, deal with um, sort of the, you know, obviously the operational stuff that is not necessarily for a town evaluator to have to uh, deal with, even though many of these GMs are well-versed in all areas of a front office. So just keep that in mind. We will see after tomorrow if there's other interviews uh, that come out, but they are meeting with some that are clearly you know, significant candidates in this cycle. Now, the coaches, again, the, those interviews can't start in person until the 22nd. I think this one is a little trickier to determine. One, you need to see who the front office lead is. Um, and what does that mean for a group? Um, and Nikki and I did talk about this a little bit specifically with a guy like Ben Johnson. Um, I think, you know, Nikki mentioned it. I've heard this myself that there seems to be some buzz about a Adam Peters, Ben Johnson pairing, which would be kind of wild in the sense that you have two guys who are sort of the top candidates for each spot going to one team. I, I, the Ben Johnson part of this to me is a little bit more of a wild card. Does he want to have, does he want to be at the top of the food chain in the inner team? Even if it's not like a true coach centric, does he want to have a say in picking the GM rather than the other way around? Um, I don't know. But that's that would be the interesting part. Plus, I don't know specifically of a Peters Johnson connection. They may have one, but it's not as obvious as we do typically with these things where we look at 
well, they were both on the, you know, Miami Dolphin staff eight years ago. Therefore, they must know each other and they, they want to be BFFs and work together. I, I don't have that obvious connection. So we'll go, you know, can't, can't assume that. But needless to say, it's something to consider. Obviously, Ben Johnson would it'd be a very attractive candidate because of what he's been able to do in Detroit. So we will see how that unfolds. Um, so that's what's going on on that front. The, you know, the Washington side, again, it's been, you know, I don't want to say it's been quiet because obviously it's not been quiet overall. Um, you know, I, I made the, uh, I, I, I sort of half jokingly was talking about the Curtis Hodges situation uh, yesterday where they released him. Um, I expect some other moves to happen. I would say like that over the, you know, they'll, they'll probably sign some players to futures contracts and things like that, but nothing, you know, there's not going to be anything dramatic. I wouldn't think for some time. Uh, I do wonder if once they get their, the group in place, do they possibly look to sign some of their own free agents sort of quickly, but we'll see about that. So, so that's where we're at right now uh, with regards to, what happened today, where we are in the interview process, more to come for sure. Uh, but right now, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post. You can find her on Twitter at Nikki, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A on Twitter. Uh, and you can read her stuff in the Washington Post. So um, Nikki and I talking about the candidates, the, the end of the Ron Rivera era, and a lot more here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right, uh, joining me, a guest who I think, I'm going to guess, combined, we've slept probably about eight hours in the last two days, give or take. Uh, Nikki Javala with the Washington Post. What's your average sleep cycle these days? Um, I think I got like an hour the night before and like maybe two last night. Really? It's not great. It's not healthy. Not recommended. <laughs> Zero out of ten recommended. But hey, look, you're dedicated. If you really need to watch uh, Game of Thrones all the way through, because you, you binge watch it like that to stay up all night, I mean, good for you. Um, I'm not. A, I would be more of a Bridgerton person, admittedly, which I was doing last night. So, oh, see, look don't at that. Knock, don't knock Bridgerton, man. Like, I've never, you know, I've never like, seen it. It's quality Shonda Rhimes. Okay. Um. What? What? What's it? What's it rated? Ah. Uh, I don't know. There's some adult moments in there. All right, I was gonna say you're not eleven. Like it's not for kids. It's not. You know, it's not family friendly. All right. Well, you know what? You know what is family friendly these days? And this is not a Ron Rivera knock. The Washington Commanders, uh, because the end of Ron Rivera. We'll get to that in a minute. You know, the way I'm looking at it is, it's really the end of Dan Snyder, other than the name, and the the true start of the Josh Harris era. He is now. Involved in football overtly, at least, and you know they started off quickly. I, I I I joked on somebody else's podcast earlier that it's like you know how like when you have a printer in the office and uh, you're you're sending stuff and then you realize it's not working for some reason and then it finally queues back up and all of a sudden like twenty three things come out at once. <laughs> it's like he, jo yeah, Josh Harris has been waiting for five months and then here we go. Um, yeah. So what'd you make of day one or it's now day one and a half? Yeah. Um, I mean, to be expected, right. I think we were waiting for six weeks for this 
point. Um, and so far, I mean, it's gone pretty much like you'd expect. I say the only thing I didn't truly expect was their approach and and bringing on Bob Myers and Rick Spielman. Um, definitely out of the box thinking there. Um, but so far, I think it's gone okay. They've been they're going at warp speed here. They weren't lying when they said they want to be rapid but thorough. Um, and again, I mean, it makes sense, you know, try to get that top person in so you can fill out the layers below um, and let that person have a say and significant say in the coaching hire. Um, but yeah, they, they're not wasting any time, which is, you know, if I were a fan, I, I would love that, you know, like let's not stall here. I, I think some were a little myth that they didn't fire Ron during the season. I, I agree with their approach. I don't think it would have had the results that so many think it typically has has when you fire somebody like they're not going to suddenly turn into a, a good team and start winning so just ride it out and get to the end and they ended up with a number two pick as a result yeah uh so many things on other than having to endure the season itself so many things um went pretty pretty well and, he, and here's the thing like so right just a little bit ago mike the titans fired mike Vrabel. I don't know at what point ownership, management, whatever, decided that's what they needed to do. But presumably, up until even probably fairly recently, there was like a, they were like, "Well, we, we we can keep Mike. Like he's you know one of the better coaches." So Twitter, all teams do due diligence, but to the degree that they were doing it, probably not a ton. These guys have been you know waiting for five months, and you know one part of this whole season from Ron from the beginning was. What did we all say? They either have to a minimum make the playoffs, maybe even a minimum way a playoff game for him to stay. It was borderline lame duck the whole time. So they've been looking. So they that's why they can go, you know, boom, because they have been already thinking about this uh, for a long time. Um, what do you make of uh, of Harris in general? I mean, I I have now in, in we we he did his press conference in the auditorium in the building. I have now been as, as many press conferences in that room with Dan Snyder as I have with Josh Harris. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's he's clearly the type that will keep most details close to the vest, but in the ones he shares, um, he's been as probably honest as one can be in that situation. I mean, he's not going to share a whole lot, but what he does share has been pretty straightforward. And like the key takeaways for me were um we're gonna move fast which they're doing um you know they he's going into it thinking you know it's probably better if we have the top executive and a coach separate but we're flexible so he's not ruling out that possibility entirely or not you know eliminating all gray area but going in with you know that's clearly their preference um and i i i think it's a somewhat sound approach. I mean, on paper, it looks like that, you know, we're not in there in the interviews, but, you know, just bringing in an outside voice who's, you know, proven to be a successful executive, be it in another sport in another league, but also has the agency side experience. Um, he's has a record of building really good teams. They just happen to be in the NBA. Um, and then adding in, you know, a, a football voice and Spielman, um, it's definitely unique. It's different approach, but hell, what they've done over the last 25 years hasn't exactly worked. So go for it, you know? 
Yeah. No, you mentioned, you know, the outside the box thing before, and I've talked about that. Like, you know, none of us know what is going to happen with anything. I don't know. None of us know what's going to happen in the next five minutes of our lives, per se, although I imagine I'll be sitting here talking to you. But I'm like, you know, nobody knows. It's, It's all a matter of how do you address whatever it is that comes up? Can you put yourself in the best position by having a reasonable, thoughtful process to get to a point and having reasonable, thoughtful people sitting in the chairs of power who who are making the decisions and not just being, you know, one thing I hate about this, well, they need an offensive coordinator. No, they need a defensive coordinator. It's because no, what you need is a competent person to do the job. I don't really care so much about what they do. Obviously there's a young, potentially young quarterback you're taking it to, and there has to be some consideration for that. And, but you know, like in general, you know, the, the Steelers have Mike Tomlin, and the Ravens have a guy who was used to be a special teams coach, and they are the model franchises in terms of stability and being in contention every right. year, almost regardless of what right. happens. Right. That's what you want. And how you get there, well, that's, you know, yeah. Look at what they're doing with D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud, who was sort of trashed going into the draft last year and is clearly showing to be the better prospect so far. I don't want to rule out, you know, Bryce Young with all the stuff he had to deal with in Carolina, but the success so far has definitely been on Houston's side there. <laughs> yeah, for 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 sure. Um, so that said, do you have a preference? No, like is there oh, somebody the candidates that have been confirmed or offense versus defense or what? Yes. <laughs> uh I mean, I I still really like Ben Johnson, not just because he went to Carolina. Um, I just, I mean, I I like what he's done in Detroit. I think it's always hard for for me, for prospective teams, for anybody else to separate. You know, what's what's the coordinator? What's because of the talent that's on the team or or the way the team is built? There's so many variables. You can't just say, oh, they had a good team. Therefore, he's going to be a really good coach because often that does not pan out. We've seen that multiple times. But I do like what he's done with Jared Goff and kind of reviving his career. Um, I like the creativity on offense. They do have a ton of pieces. And you can't just compare them and be like, oh, that's what it's going to be like here because personnel changes everything. Um, but I like how he uses the personnel um, and seems to get the most out of them. So he's he's really interesting to me. But I also think there are another, you know, intriguing candidates. I like Anthony Weaver, you know. I would I would like to see him him get a shot. Um, so I, I – at this point, among the young up and coming coaches, it does feel like Ben Johnson and everybody else. Then there are the veteran wild cards, which John Harbaugh, I mean, he's a proven Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh sorry. I yeah. a lot of Harbaugh talk lately. Jim Harbaugh is he's a proven NFL coach, you know, from his time with the 49ers. I would not knock that hire. I don't know that it necessarily fits what they're trying to do. Um Bill Belichick, I've, yeah, I'm not, no. Um, I mean, my, my, not to interrupt you, but like my, my wonder with Harbaugh and to some degree Belichick is, okay, one of the phrases that we've all heard way too much of over the last four years is coach centric. Yeah. And Harbaugh in particular, I can't see him going somewhere where he's not making the final say. 
I, I, I just that seems the power. Yeah, he has a power. And, and even to a degree, Ben Johnson, I don't know what his proclivity is for that. Maybe he doesn't want that on any level, but he clearly seems to have some good power right now because he is the one candidate everybody seems to be excited about. No yeah. disrespect to anybody else, but so, and, and uh, who do you all say? Uh, oh, Belichick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. same thing. So yeah. that we might only wonder what those kinds of people. Yeah. No, I mean, Ben Johnson does have leverage given the circumstances and given the fact that Tepper will do anything. Um, and you have to account for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think honestly, the, the group of defensive candidates is deeper than the group of offensive coaching candidates. I think there's a lot of really strong coaches in there. I mean, Mike McDonald intrigues me. Is he ready for a head coaching job? I honestly don't know. I don't know. That's on them to decide, but I think he's a good defensive coordinator. Now, granted they're loaded in Baltimore. Um, and you have to consider that. Um, you know, I think there are a number of others that could be really intriguing. I think Raheem Morris has been a good coach for a long time. Will that translate to, you know, cause he filled an interim role before. Will that translate to a full-time really successful head coaching gig here? I don't know. They're going to have to decide that, but you know, there are some interesting names. It just feels like among the young up and comers, it's Ben Johnson and everybody else. I was talking to somebody earlier today and about some of these things. And um, they were like, well, okay, let's just say you take the rookie quarterback at two, right? I mean, that of everything else, that seems to be the most likely scenario just based on the importance of the position. But if you pair that person with a first-time head coach, and, and a lot of these guys we're talking about are fairly young as as people, but you know, first time head coach, and we'll get to the GMs in a second. You pair it with an Adam Peters, another first time head uh, a GM. Now, granted, he's been experienced, but uh, if it's first everywhere, kind of rookies at all their uh, jobs, is that a reasonable way to go, or is that putting too much sort of increasing the variable for the organization with all that inexperience simultaneously? Yes and no. I mean, I think Adam Peters is a type that's been near the very top of a personnel department for a, a while now. I mean, he's John Lynch's number two and works very closely with him and Kyle Shanahan, obviously. So, you know, does he need that top, top, top job to know how this shit works? I don't know. I think if you're good at talent evaluation, you know how to build the right roster. You know, it's always going to be some hit or miss. Um, but for somebody who's had that number two job for a while, I, I, I have less concern about that sort of setup. Now, if he had just been an assistant GM for one year and was, you know, in, in national scouting or just pro personnel for, you know, the bulk of his career, then I'd be like, eh, maybe you should, you know, have another year of running the show or having, you know, some sort of assistant GM role. But, um, I mean, Adam Peters seems pretty well experienced i i was talking um i, I did the uh, the last episode with grant paulson who has a uh, crush on ben johnson um like the way you have a crush on golden golden doodles and uh, uh you know we're discussing that and i'm like my, my thing is always with these coordinators is they are applying for a job that they don't have whereas the assistant gm like adam peters has largely done all the stuff not you know Sometimes maybe one of these assistant GMs is not really as much involved with contracts, but that's why you have a Rob Rogers type person to deal with some of these things or whatever. But they basically are doing the job. They just don't have 
the final say for the most part. The coach, I mean, can Ben Johnson lead whoever, whoever, can any first time coach, how do they lead mm-hmm. the, the, the locker room? How yeah. are they having to make the decisive decision with, you know, 50 seconds left in the game? Pressures on, like, how do you know? And then just, you know, as we know, all the other things that your coach has to deal with, I'm not talking about what Ron Rivera had to deal with here, but in general, a normal setup. How does somebody deal with that? And that's why I think it's a trick. I'm, I'm with you. The GM part, I'm less nervous about that transition. Um, they just have to make the right picks, more or less. Right. But the coaching part, it is like, I, I don't know. No, I agree with you. And I think it has to be the right partnership. Like, I was talking to somebody else about this earlier, but like Kyle Shanahan is, he's a brilliant football mind. Now, is he the warmest individual and somebody you feel has the, you know, I guess bedside banner of, you know, a, a head coach with that can both motivate his players and, you know, push them and manage a team. Probably not, but he was given significant power early on. Basically he picked his GM. They have a great working partnership. It works beautifully or from the afar anyway, similar. I mean, Andy Reed, you know, him and Veach, it's a, it's a different setup, but the partnership works well and they're in line with, personnel and you know andy handling the coaching stuff you have to find that partnership and you're not going to know it in advance if it clicks immediately you just kind of pray it does and and hope that their skill sets you know complement each other's um but you better make damn sure that they're on the same page with how they they envision this team being formed and and moving moving forward so basically, do you want ultimately you could drop the ultimate head coach? It's like a scary Mister Rogers who knows how to design plays out of shotgun. I mean, I I kind of like the nerdy type, you know, talking about coaches. Um, I you know I I just <laughs> I think it's I, no I, I I think he's a very smart coach. I like the creativity, um, but you know, I think it could work out. Again, I'm not the one interviewing these guys, so they should have a better feel within the next week or two. Um. All right. So it, it just to, to sort of spin back to Harris, but staying with this with these uh, groups. So it sounds like that he wants this could get done in the next seven to ten days at the latest. It feels like they just want to have somebody For in place. Bef- yeah. What? Yeah. They want somebody in place before they can do start doing uh in person interviews with the coaches in like two weeks, yeah. basically. Um. So. You think there's a chance anything gets done this week, or you saw that seven to ten seem reasonable? Like end of this week, early next week, I think is totally feasible. I mean, if they wrap up the first round of interviews tomorrow, you know, then they got to figure out how they want to schedule second rounders, how many second rounders they want to do. If there are any other candidates they want to bring in, I mean, the the NFL's rules for hiring GMs allow them to move fast. The rules oh. for head coaches do not. These meetings are apparently taking place at Josh Harris's house. If you could ask any of the candidates one aspect of Josh Harris's house that you're just curious yeah. about, what what room or yeah. what what would you want to know? You have one well, question. I don't know about the basketball court outside. Like, do they shoot hoops for like half the interview? You know, is there a private chef? What does the kitchen look like? I mean, I've seen the pictures, but like, how amazing is it? You know. Of course, are- you know what? What a stupid question might be. Of course, you have. You are. The uh, the this is this is like one of your side projects. Where does everybody live? I like real estate. I like at all the houses I can't afford. <laughs> right. Where do they live and what do they drive? 
I mean, he's got like, I mean, it looks like freaking Versailles around this house. It's got all these manicured gardens and pools and outdoor space. And by, by the way, if I was a billionaire, total respect for how he's spending his money on teams. Like, if I had Bill Gates' money, I can't comprehend not owning a team. Or seemingly not caring. What? Well, I mean, you got to like sports, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would be, that, you know, yeah. uh, we'll get yeah. to the point where maybe it's like, hey, Josh, maybe you need to like, you know, cut down your, uh, you know, your buying franchises habit to like, you know, one every 10 years. But okay, still. Oh, he's I on would... a spree lately, but like, like not just teams, but like the Hall of Fame investment, partnering with Gibbs, yeah. uh, Ripken's like youth baseball or whatever, like. Yeah, dude is hitting it all up. I'm more of a car person. I would splurge on cars and then regret it probably. So you'd be yeah, right. You'd be one of those people who have like Jay Leno's garage with like 50 cars. Hell yes. I would that I never understand. Like, what is the point? You can only drive one at a time. Yeah, but they're exceptional. You have one for every occasion, you know, like I might need a Bugatti this time instead of, you know, my Benz or. Would there be would there be one to drive to Wegmans and then another one to drive to Giant? Definitely the roles for Wegmans. That's more of a family friendly. Wow. Car. Yeah, but I want the yeah. I would definitely soup it up though. Chrome. I'm big into Chrome these days. Really? There was a Chrome Charger outside the team's facility. I'm still trying to figure out whose it was. Whoever well, has that Chrome Charger. Yes. Outside the team's facility. I like yeah. that car. All the players do listen to this podcast. So uh, course, I'm sure like, I'm yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll get a quick response. Um, speaking of the players, it's been sort of funny that since the season just ended, I've now done this pod. Well, this is the second episode of my podcast I've done. I've done a couple radio hits, somebody else's podcast. And I don't think the players have come up once. Yeah. Um so we were there for 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 locker room clean out. And obviously it's weird. Not only is the season ending, not only was it a rough season with eight straight losses in the end and all that, but the head coach had just gotten fired right yeah. before it. Um, what what was your so I guess maybe big takeaway from listening to these players, not just yesterday, but over the last few days as they know the season's over? Um was there something that you that for you kind of stood out as to maybe why they think the season went wrong, the last four years have gone the way they did? What what stood out to you? The biggest takeaway to me was help. I mean, the losing takes a toll on these guys. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, but they're very relieved to get that season over with. I mean, we all knew what was coming, what was happening, how this would go, themselves included. Um, but yeah, I, it takes a toll on them. Um, but I think you're starting to hear more, at least this season overall, you're, you know, you're starting to hear more players become more vocal. Um, and not, And that doesn't mean like, constantly complaining or doing things, but they're very um, purposeful with what they say. Terry McLaurin is one, especially. Um, and I think he has been, he's never the outspoken type, but he's been more honest about things he would like to see them do or things they should do or haven't done enough of, or, you know, things they haven't done well enough. Um, so I thought that was really telling this season. Um, that he really started to use his voice more. Um, and then like in the last week or so, you started to hear guys become more honest about what was 
going wrong, like more honest opinions about working with Eric B what was missing from the offense, not running the ball nearly enough. Um, which again, none of this is rocket science, but you start to hear guys become more honest as the season comes to an end. And they're like, Oh, I'm going to be a free agent. Don't have to come back here. Sure. I'll talk. Um, but you know, I think everybody's happy. The season is over. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the thing, right? Like we've all known for a while that this was coming. Again, you could argue it was coming from the moment the season started just because of the new ownership and all that stuff. Um, But, you know, until you get to the very end, you play it all out. You know, who knows what happens? Maybe Sam Howell gets hot in the end or who knows what. But you all kind of know. But like you said, once it became like, oh, boy, this is really going down. And people get a little bit um, looser with with what they're saying or more willing to to speak out. And it is... um, I don't take it as like in these, in this case, I don't take it much as like disgruntled employees. Almost nothing I heard was like, really, that's not what I was imagining or not what I had heard previously right. or anything like that. So I think, you know, I think they were speaking their truth, but like in a reasonable way. The one thing that has annoyed me, though, and I'm going to imagine you will agree with me. And if not, you know, this might be a shorter interview than I thought um, is uh, <laughs> um, the use of the term culture. It's it, it, there are so many. If we had like what you know those like word clouds that they come up yeah. with, like when you how many times were these words used? That would be one yeah. of the more highlighted ones over the Ron Rivera era. And I think the point is like at this point, I don't think anybody even knows what the term means. It, no, it's just like a vague catch-all word that you can throw in when you don't know what the word should be. I'm yeah, so I, sick of the word culture. It is there's no place for that in with NFL teams or pro sports teams. It's if you win, you're happy. If you don't win, you're not happy. And like culture, stop it. Like, well, no. also, like, look, if if during the four years of Ron Rivera, particularly like the first three, if you yeah. wanted to say he's built a better culture, like at least the context then is, well, we were living in hell in the Dan Snyder, Bruce Allen world, and this is better. Okay, that seems reasonable, and I think from that perspective, sure, I get it. But nothing, nothing's happening where it matters now. But, there, he, there's no cult. Still, what is the measure of culture then? That they're not being federally investigated? <laughs> well, I mean, that, the that, that, themselves that. weren't being investigated at that time. Ron wasn't being investigated at the time. I mean, his trainer was. Um, but I mean, what is the difference in culture? And like, I mean, they to me, it means we don't have a black cloud hanging over us, right? By the name of Daniel Snyder. Right. Uh, right. I guess that's it. However, even anybody wants to define it, whatever it is, yeah. the second that Ron was let go, the culture that he had for four years, however you want to find it, evaporated. There's nothing carrying over. It's not yeah. like they've been a, a good team for 10 years. Right. And then he, the, the coach leaves and then somebody says the positive vibes are still there. Whatever was working is still there. there nothing was working, unfortunately, especially this last year. And Dan Snyder leaving was the big culture. So you know, I speak to whoever wants to use that term, whichever side of the uh, recorder, uh, just think about what you're saying, because it doesn't really mean kind of anything. I mean, Sean Payton was said he would improve the culture of the Broncos. And I'm sure he feels he's improved the culture. But really, I mean, that's that's what I mean. Like, there's nothing healthy about what's going on in Denver, but he will say he's improved the culture. It just means, can you help them win football games more? Like, I I just I hate that term so much anymore. It's like the bane of my existence. <laughs> right. Um. So that said, that's none of this was to say is, is a knock on 
Ron, it's just to say the nature of when these things happen, especially when you're firing a coach because things weren't good. That said, it is a, you know official, obviously, that Ron Rivera is now gone. Um, you know, you got here for his first year. Um, I was here. Like Ron is like the first coach I've really, at least in the NFL, that I've really kind of been on the ground with the whole the whole time. Um, look, a, as a guy, you know, obviously the people are, say a lot of nice things about him over the years, and most of it, I think, in terms of the person, seems to be fairly accurate. But um, it didn't work out as a coach, and really, it didn't work out on the personnel side. Um, as you, you know, it's not easy to define four years and with a, with a thought, but what's your sort of defining thought as to what kind of happened over these last four years? Yeah, I think there are two parts to Rivera's legacy in Washington. Really? I, I do think he did a really good, really good job of shielding his players from all the outside turmoil. And that's not an easy thing to do. I don't think just anybody can do that. I don't, you know, there are some very, very fine football coaches. I don't think they would be very good at that part of it. Um, and that's more of a managerial role. Um, I thought Ron was good at that and players respected him. Um, he cared about his players. I thought a lot of the trouble this year was when he got away from that a little bit. Um, and when more power was given to Eric Bienemy, and this is not necessarily a knock on Bienemy, but Ron got away from one of his strengths and that's being there for a lot of players and, and just, you know, being that sound voice for them. Um, on the football side and on the personnel side, it was not very good. I mean, just look at the record. They never got beyond eight wins in a season. They never had a single winning season. Um, they had so many whiffs with personnel moves between William Jackson Emmanuel Forbes, it's early for him. I don't want to write him off completely yet, but so far it's been a disaster. Um, you know, they 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 have not they've created more problems than they've answered um with their personnel decisions, in my opinion. I mean, in four years, I mean the linebacker was that position was kind of a mess when they came in. It's even more of a mess now. Um, the secondary, clearly no improvement. The defensive line has been decimated. Um, and I understand why they made the trades and other moves there, but nonetheless, the defensive line is decimated. The offensive line is worse off. Um, I think they have more talent at receiver, but they're about to lose some talent with Curtis Samuel hitting free agency. And Ron, just personally, I do think Ron is a very good guy. He, I mean, I'm biased. He helped me a ton when I was going through my treatment. So I don't know how many coaches would do that, especially for a reporter who is basically hammering them with the investigation stuff at the time. Um, so yeah, I'll always appreciate that about Ron. Um, yeah, um, it, it's a, and you know, uh, I said this in the room yesterday. I don't know if you were there or maybe I even said it to you, but you know, it was one thirty. We had just finished Josh Harris. There'd been a bunch of these interview requests and it felt like Ron had been let go months ago. It, it, it is, it, it moved quick. And I think that's in part because of how the day went, but also because it's just been obvious for a long time. And like every, the last like six weeks of talking to him, you know, certainly after Thanksgiving, it was just like, Oh boy. Uh, I don't even, you know, we all, never knew what to ask after a while. And it just got 
kind of weird. So I think I, it almost kind of feels, I don't want to say bad for him, but like we, the world has moved quickly on a day. Like, you know what, again, Tennessee just fired Mike Vrabel. That was not a clear scenario that will be discussed. And for, for days, I'm sure week, whatever. And here was like, okay, well, can we now what? let's move forward. So I kind of feel bad for him on that front. I mean, I'm, well, I think we're all curious to see when he does his uh, first interview or, or, or whatever he does, not to mention whatever he does next. He, he Every time we kind of asked him to some degree, hey, kind of what do you want to do next in your life? He really didn't kind of give us anything. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting when he said that he really enjoyed getting back into really coaching when he took over for the defensive play calling. Now, will another team hire him to be a defensive coordinator? I don't know. But, I mean, if that Cal job opens up, <laughs> I mean, I'm not even joking about that. Um, you never know. I think he could be – I honestly think he'd be really good on TV, you know. I, I know he takes a lot of heat for some of the things he said in his pressers, and rightfully so in the moments. But I think if you get him talking about football, he's really good. Um, well, so. and, and just a little peek behind the curtain without revealing too much – the way the press conference schedule would work, he would talk Wednesday and then talk again on Friday. Friday, starting last year, what what we did was we would talk to him on the record per usual. They would stop all the cameras, and then he would talk to us a little bit off the record, you know, and just give us some insight or whatever. That Ron Rivera, if he could have presented that version publicly, I think people would have had a much different view of him. He was not trying to cover anything up, or he wasn't trying to be coy because whatever the other team was listening or whatever he was just talking football and how he saw it and what right. what matters and you know he knows the sport but yeah, when but well, but he just didn't present that version of himself publicly yeah. enough and, and i think that's part of where the heat got and then like you said he said some things you're like uh why are you saying that right right no exactly yeah what, and what? Like he's you know i don't i say this not to excuse anything he said because i still question a lot of things like why would you say that? Um, but you look at their ownership the previous four years and some of the things he dealt with. I I can see in hindsight why he did what he did. Um, but yeah, he's he was in a somewhat of a tough situation there. Um, a favorite moment of the Ron Rivera era on the field or off the field? Favorite moment. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool when they clinched in 2020, you know. Alex Smith came back as kind of the hero of that game. That was a happy moment. Um, they win in Pittsburgh during that season. Um, you know, there. I I loved covering Taylor Heineke during his his run. I thought he was highly entertaining. Um, was always good to us in media. I'm trying to think. It was great to see Ron make it on the other side of his cancer battle and and ring the bell. I thought that was a very very cool moment. Um, for him, his family, everybody. Um, I think what else? No, I, I think those are all those are all good. I mean, you know, the fact that he never missed a game and he really didn't even miss many practices. Practices, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was impressive for sure. Um, well, you know, best of luck to Ron to whatever he ends up doing next. We'll see down the line. Um, all right, before I let you go, let me get you uh on a couple of things here that are gonna happen here going forward. Would you like to make well, let me rephrase that. You definitely will not like to make. But would you make a prediction for us? Um, for oh. what GM coach? Sure, sounds good. <laughs> Damn it, um, Adam Peters. I've heard of him. 
for now, I'm going Ben Johnson. Ben Standing, you were about to say it. I heard it. <laughs> no. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot could change in a couple weeks. But for now, I'm going Ben Johnson. Peterson Johnson. Uh, Peters, for sure. The Johnson part, my only reason I'm just... I, I don't know enough about him personally, like his hopes and dreams, like how much control does he really want or does he want to be paired with a uh, strong candidate like uh, like that? So, um, all right. Uh, quarterback, are you taking one at two? And if so, assuming that all the guys are there, do you even have any sway or any feel right now for who you would want? Once again, another North Carolina person right here in the mix is Drake May, but go ahead. I mean, I like Michael Penix, but how- not at two. Yeah. Um, probably Caleb Williams, I'd say. That's probably the one I really like. But, you know, that's why they don't pay me the big bucks. I don't know. I whiffed on Justin Herbert, too. So I'm not sure I'm the great source for that. And you um, were really excited about Paxton Lynch, as I recall. So that is incorrect. Oh, that's, um, that didn't happen. <laughs> but I wasn't as high as I should have been on Josh Allen. I wasn't alone, though. But, you know. Yeah. Um, Neither was John Elway. So, look. In fairness, if you just say you don't like any of these guys, you're probably going to be at least fifty percent right, if not seventy five percent right. You yeah. know. Yeah. Wow. I haven't watched enough. I don't know. I mean, no. Like- I, it's too early. I mean, I, you know, people know I like the draft. I have no. I haven't looked. I mean, other than the games I've watched on TV, I have no. Right. I have no feel. But just in terms of what to do, I, you know, I can talk myself into trades, trade downs all the time, and they could obviously get a, pop, a huge haul. For that pick, but man, if you think any of these quarterbacks are good, I don't know how you're not going to pick one. Yeah, you can have a really great receiving core, a really good running back, and no one to get them the ball. Um, they got a lot you of free. Did that once with Jahan, like you got some quality players, but you also could have had Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, no. At some point, you got to have star talent. It, it, yeah. It's not enough just to have really good or interesting depth. Right. You at some point have to have the guys. Like, look at the Rams. They have Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, and then a bunch of dudes named Mo for the most part, and somehow they made the playoffs. Yeah, you need a quarterback. Um, they got a lot of free agents. Is there anyone? I'm not necessarily saying like the biggest name, but is there anyone that you would say, you know what? I think they need to bring that person back. Cam, Cam Curl. Now, I don't think he deserves top safety money. I may get killed for saying that, but I don't. I think he's a very good safety. I don't think he's an elite safety yet. I think he can be. Um, I think part of it was he was asked to do so damn much that you're not going to get the production that you would get to get those types of contracts. Um, But I do think he's a very smart, a very good quarterback Um, at corner safety. I, Oh my God, my mind's all over the place. Um, So I think he's definitely one. Um, I mean, selfishly, Jeremy Reeves, come on, throw us a bone here in media. Jeez. Love I did that. not. I mean, again, obviously, it's not. I never understand why they just didn't give him an extension last year. What a what a PR win. And it costs nothing relative to guys. I know. And then when he gets hurt, they say, oh, we don't have Jeremy Reeves. Well, you didn't like him enough to pay him. And now you're saying me claiming he's so good that your defense is a mess because he's not out there. Right. Like, what he, is it? Even with budget restraints that they were dealing with. Because of the pending sale, that hey, Jeremy Reeves costs no money, so that would have been an easy right. one. Um, can can I can I interest you in uh, re-signing James Smith Williams? You need two. You need they have two defensive end starters missing. Yeah, but you, on minimal one year, him and Casey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm saying like, a lot, like, but you need depth clearly, and they got nobody there. Nobody. 
and also, they're not ready to be reliable backups, let alone starters. They could be good players. I'm not writing them off, but they're not ready for that yet, I don't think. And also last year when Chase Young was out and he was the fourth guy with Allen Payne and Sweat, like they were really good defense. And you need guys who understand their role to do the dirty work and let the other ones free. So I'm just saying hypothetically, if you did him and then like in the second round or maybe, you know, if you trade it down, it's like a defensive end, like the line could be back to a pretty good level pretty quickly. But yeah, you, you have to have somebody. That's a premium position. You can't just assume you're going to sign a couple of these in free agency yeah. and. And obviously, the star of this group, you have to keep Joey Sly. No, but you should keep Joey Sly. I mean, you know, we've seen their kicker troubles. He was decent, you know, unless there's somebody that blows you away. That's, you know, just keep the easy ones easy, you know? Um, I hear you. All right. Anything we need to know about your world? Uh, anything you got going on at the Washington Post, on Twitter, at Nikki Javala? Anything else uh, you got going on that we need to know about? Nope. Wow. You're just yeah. really going to be sitting on the couch doing nothing? I mean, my dogs are half asleep. We'll see how long that lasts. They'll get back to staring at me because they can't go outside today. Um, I'll be tethered to my computer for most of the next week or two. I'll be in Detroit this weekend. That's about it. Oh, in my head, I was like, why are you going to Detroit? Is there yeah. a, you, you going to the auto play. show or something? Playoff circuit. Oh, uh, you got who, 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 they're gonna win. I don't know. Oh, you're going to study. I'll tell, bed, ben, huh? I'll tell ben that you said hello, though. I I appreciate that. Um, all right, well, cool. Well, look, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, I just gave out all your details on social media. I will not give out your address. We don't need people going to hang out at your house. So. Unless they want to walk the dog. Feel free. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, if you're interested in walking Nikki's dog, hit me up. I'll, uh, I'll work something out. Uh, you rock. Let's talk later. Sounds good. All right. Big thanks to Nikki Jabala for her time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Uh, more to come this week here on The Athletic. And uh, look, it's, uh, it's an interesting ride that we're all about to take, to say the least. This is just the first lap or so of this new era. We will see where it takes us. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.